Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. I'm Bobby Skinner with Justin Pennick, and today we have Andrew Thomas, the fourth overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Pick number one of the Joe Judge era was Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. He's six foot five, 315 years old. 22 or three, he's not 315 years old, he's 315 pounds, 22 years old. I was so eager to get to his age because you know what? Me and Andrew Thomas share the same birthday, Justin. Oh, fun fact. Yeah. How old is he? He's 22. So, but 22. I am older than Andrew Thomas. Both, both born on January 22nd. He's just a kid. I'm just a kid. For yeah. 2020, the plan for Andrew Thomas was to start him at right tackle, which we vehemently disagreed with, and we could talk about later why. We, you know, I'm glad that he ended up playing left tackle, but Solder opted out. So that changed that for good. Andrew Thomas is playing left tackle. And honestly, he started out good. Pittsburgh week one, we were thrilled. He handled Bud Dupree that whole game when he was matched up. Now people, Bud Dupree had backside pressure, but it, was, it wasn't it was Andrew Thomas's fault. It was Scheme's fault. It wasn't He wasn't missing blocks. And then it seemed to get progressively worse from that point on. Week two versus Chicago gives up a sack. It's, it's for a fumble. Chicago scores on, on that drive. San Fran, there's not a bad play you remember, but he played actually worse than he did the Chicago game, where the Chicago game was kind of just one, one maybe two bad plays. A bad first, hand ver- first half versus the Rams, but got better in that game. And then Dallas, a sack on a play-action pass, fumble, return for a touchdown. Without that bad Andrew Thomas play, the Giants win that game. Then he gets suspended for the first quarter of the Washington game in Week 6 because he's late to a meeting. And Parrott plays well. So, I mean, the heat is on Andrew Thomas. Like, he hasn't been playing well. He gets suspended, and then Matt Parrott comes in and plays well in that game. And then the following Thursday on Thursday Night Football, he gives up two very bad sacks. And honestly, he should have given up three, but Daniel Jones did an amazing job getting out of it um, and, and getting the ball out to Wayne Gallman. I mean, really bad. I mean, I mean, people were writing articles, stories, coaches. You know, Paul Alexander was explaining. It was really bad for Andrew Thomas. And the fact that his rookie compadres were playing well at the time. But then, it turned around. It turned around. And it just happened to turn around when Joe Judge supposedly started taking more of a role with the offensive line. Week 8 versus Tampa. They changed his inside foot. They changed his inside foot. And we'll get into his technique and everything. And he played well from there on out. Now, the Arizona game wasn't good. The fourth quarter, he gave a couple sacks. But a lot of that was... You know, the right side missing their stunts and uh, a, a lame duck Daniel Jones not being able to move. But he was good the rest of the season. Not perfect, but good. Justin, I'm very encouraged by the way his rookie season went. Okay, I'm not going to be mad at a guy for playing bad in the first half and good in the second half as a rookie. That's what happens with rookies. Andrew Thomas was my guy. I banged on the table for him. And he still is my guy. And I'm really excited and confident going into year two for Andrew Thomas. Yeah, Bobby, he was our guy, you know, more particularly he was your guy, you know, heading into last year's draft. Um, you know, we we celebrated like crazy when we when we picked him and the recovery towards the second half of the year. I mean, I remember on, you know, on some recap episodes that we had to finish last year, seeing that progression and particularly even just seeing him the second time against Dallas after kind of struggling the first time against Dallas, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence and some of the edge rushers, some of the pass rushers that they have. Seeing him that second time have a really, really good game was 
an awesome feeling, you know, along with winning that football game and trying to give ourselves a chance at getting into the postseason. But Andrew Thomas putting a really good stamp on the 2020 season was was really, really good. So I know we're not a fan of PFF pressures. I'm not a fan of them. They really do overestimate. But I just want to put sacks. But I, but you make sacks, yes. But I want to just make this point to prove a point about Andrew Thomas's season. So uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, PFF measured that he allowed 57 total pressures from the 2020 season. However, Bobby, 18 of those 57 pressures came from two games: the first Cowboy game and then the Cardinal game. 18 divided by 57, it's about one third. So he gave one third of his pressures up. In two games, and he basically played every game except he missed the first quarter, and that's even something that I really commend him for as well. You know, while we praise and we love, you know, Mackay Becton and seeing the good things that he's doing with the Jets, missed a lot of time last year. And your best ability is availability, especially as a left tackle, the second most valuable position in the game of football. And he he even had a foot injury last year. He played through that foot injury, and he improved throughout the throughout the year on that foot injury as well. So. Had some bad games. Really, in terms of a goal for next year, I kind of want to ask you about where you want, to, where where are you kind of projecting Andrew Thomas this year? You know, PPPs, player profile projections. Where are you projecting Andrew Thomas to be this year? But really, at least for me, you have to avoid the disaster game. You have to. Yeah, that's the thing is we can't have, now it's year two. We can't have horrible games. There can be, you know, a game where he's he's not, you know, not at his best. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna go this season without giving up zero sacks. You know what I mean? But especially with offensive linemen, how you start really does set the tone for your season and how you are portrayed. Really, I mean, think of like like I said, one of his curses was his rookie compadres. Well, now I didn't watch Tristan Worse, but everyone said he was just solid all year. So he is the outlier. Andrew Thomas. I say very confidently because I watched every single snap of all these guys basically twice. Andrew Thomas was better than Jedrick Wills. And he was better as a run blocker than him all year. As a pass blocker, he was better than him by the end of the year. And then Mikai Becton, um, their pass blocking I think was around the same. Like, you know, Becton gave up a couple, you know some sacks, had a two-sack game against Miles um, Garrett the week after Andrew Thomas handled him, by the way. But Becton wasn't moving guys the same way he was at the start of the season. Now, I'm sure injury had something to do with that and and, you know, I love watching Becton play, so I hope he, he stays healthy. But like, And Pat Flaherty, who's now an offensive line analyst with the Giants, you know, he made a video when they hired him. I went and found it, and he said the same things, you know? He's like, Becton wasn't really moving guys like he was at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, and he had some, you know, gimmicks in the past. Like, so him and Thomas, like, at the by the end of the year, if you look at – if you just looked at their last eight games and erased that Andrew Thomas had a bad first eight – and Becton, the first half of the season when he was healthy, was awesome. You'd say, like, they're right about the same. Um, and then, obviously, every, everyone says Worfs is better. I didn't watch Worfs like that. Um, so, he got kind of screwed by that, you know? Where it's like, at the end of the year, Andrew Thomas was, is, was better, flat out better than Jedrick Wills. And even people who like to use, like, PFF and stuff, Andrew, like, says that. But because Wills started better than Thomas, like, there's this narrative around Thomas that there isn't around Wills. I think the Seattle game. Would you say the Seattle game was his best game last year? Either that or Cincy, but both games were both games were like kind of flawless. Those two. Yeah. Granted, those weren't the best pass rushers, but Carl, Carl Lawson's a pretty good pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. It just went to the Jets, ironically. So only two holding penalties last year, too. 
find that to be kind of important. One and they came bogus. and backed. It took away they that came Eagles in, touchdown. One of them was bogus. Yeah. Remember the Eagles oh, yeah, touchdown that's right. that got taken off? That was yes. such a bogus call. Yeah, they came in back-to-back weeks weeks against Washington, and then on that Daniel, I think it would have been a Daniel Jones rushing touchdown, yes, right? Yes. There's so we you know we compared him to also the the rookie tackles last year, and you know recently you know there's been some Giants people that have done some side by side comparisons, few different people that have done um, comparisons of there's a decent track record of highly touted offensive tackles getting off to a poor start their rookie year and then rebounding well and becoming one of the league's best. Yeah, it's not a slam dunk. I mean, you could either turn out like Eric Flowers, who was hurt his rookie year, played through an injury, and uh, just continued to go down. Or hopefully you can be like Trent Williams, who had um, a, a subpar rookie year and then came became one of the league's best left Tyron tackles. Tyron Smith, so you, know, yeah. and, you know. And I remember Garrett refer- Jason Garrett referencing Tyron Smith. He's like, he struggled really, and he kind of got better and better. And that's the thing, is Andrew Thomas got a lot better as the season went along. You know, if he didn't, it'd be like, I right, there's hope he was a rookie, but you don't feel as like right now I feel confident in Andrew Thomas, where yeah. after week eight, I was like I wasn't like, you know, throwing a towel in. I mean, that's just that would be silly to do with a rookie, but you are worried. You know, like, oh my god, this is this is a rough start and it's it's it was getting worse every single week. Um let's talk about his game though. Let me if I can get nerdy and talk about what his game is. Yeah. In the run game, he's a mauler. Like, he moves dudes. Like, if we haven't seen a, a Giants offensive lineman move dudes like the way Andrew Thomas moves him. Him and Shane Lemieux or even Will Hernandez working double teams was beautiful. I mean, they would, they would just clear dudes out. It was beautiful to see. And that's because he's he has the athleticism and strength to hang with every anybody in the NFL. Like, he has the speed to go with every pass rusher. He has the strength to go with every pass rusher. And he's got the speed and strength to get off the ball quick and move dudes in the run game. And that's why I loved him so much out of the draft. Is he ha- like the things he needed to get better at were the things you improve on, and what were those? He would overset, and his inside foot would fall back. Now it's hard to explain without actually showing the video, but you know it's called his post foot. It would it would fall back, and it would give an inside lane for pass rushers, and that is what he corrected mid season. He started lagging that foot, and this is his words, and it's something I talked about a lot in the O line reports. He would lag that foot to shut down the inside moves, and he realized. I think he really like he once he did it one game versus Tampa and Jason Pierre-Paul who had an, an awesome year. He realized, "Oh, I'm a, I'm athlete, I, I'm athletic athletic enough for the NFL. I've got this. I can trust my athleticism to get these guys around the edge." So now yeah. that he's got like his feet were the biggest thing he needed corrected and he's like they're not perfect right now, but they've got a lot better. Um and even in that Arizona game, like a, like the worst play was actually Golden, where Golden baited him into it. and he had never seen that where Golden had baited him as like, hey, I'm going to go inside, out, and then back in. Like, he kind of had seen how Thomas had been winning, and he baited into him. And, and Golden's a good pass rusher because of stuff like that. So he got better at that. Now, things that he didn't get a ton better at his rookie season, but he did get a little better, is his hands. He was lunging like crazy, like at the start of the season. He was leaning forward, and he was getting off balance, and was, you know, uh, allowing pass rushers to take advantage of him. He got better at that at the end of the year, but it still needs work. But that's something that does get better. Um, Did he? Was he still doing the symbols? Yeah, uh, yeah. Instead of instead of efficiently wide. efficiently punching out um, straight and going at the breastplates, where he's cl- he's going he's going from the outside and he's clamping. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he, so he still needs to get better at that. But what I like is that they fix his feet, and I think 
Mark Colombo try, was trying to fix his hands before he fixed his feet. And I do think that was one of the big arguments that him and Judge had. Because if you, when, you know, when all the, you know, the blue check marks were like, well, what could Joe Judge actually tell Thomas that, uh, you know, that Mark Colombo wasn't already telling him? Well, they were literally fighting in practices. And one of those things was something that, you know, um, Paul Alexander, who's, you know, an offensive line coach for a long time and, and was quoted on it, was like, they had him doing all this different stuff with his hands, like machine guns hands and punching and, and reloading, punching and reloading, you know, do, like, you know, trying to swat with one hand and punch with the other, which is some good things, but they needed to fix his feet first. And once his feet got better, everything else got better for Andrew. Good run blocker all year long, though. Let me ask you a final question before we, before we wrap up here. Andrew Thomas is your guy. I want to hear what you have to say. So basically... What's the expectation for Andrew Thomas this year? You know, is it to perform the way that he did the second half of the season? And if he, if he performs the way that he did the second half of the season for pretty much maybe consistently, you know, maybe he has a bad game here or there, everybody's going to have a bad game, right? But if he if we look at Andrew Thomas's 2021 season and it's like, okay, he performed kind of the same way that he did the second half of his rookie year, or is there an expectation that he gets better, avoid the disaster game? What is your expectation for him, if for he, him Bobby? You know, if he does that all year, which would mean he gave up like three, four, three, four sacks if he plays the way he played in the second half um, and still with some pressures. You're not thrilled, but you're all right with it. But my expectation for him is, and maybe this is, you know, he still has, a, he's still young, still needs to grow and get better. Be the best tackle we've had in the in this in this blue jersey in a long time, you know. Like like be that dude that you're capable of being, and you know have the national media be like, oh man, Thomas struggled, but he's right there with all these other these all these other young tackles. And I like he needs to be a good left tackle in the NFL. Like he is like you like feel great. Like man, we got our left tackle for the next eight to ten years right now. Like if if Daniel Jones works out. Like that should be like the the hope by the end of the years. Like those two guys are here to be to work with each other for the next ten years. Yeah, I'm excited for him in the run game too. I know we're, I don't want to go too long. I don't want to dig another rabbit hole, but just you know my my overall thoughts. I'm excited to see him in the run game. Saquon Barkley has notoriously been known for rushing better to the right side compared to the left side. So I'm interested to see if those numbers go up this year with Lemieux and Andrew Thomas kind of working together on that left side. You, know, you get a pulling Will Hernandez too whenever runs go to the left side too. Uh, Kyle Rudolph coming in. So all the all of these kind of other pieces that the Giants have added slash there's going to be the continuity there but at, the off, at least on the left side of the offensive line. Um, that should hopefully help Andrew Thomas, especially in how he communicates with Shane Lemieux, et cetera, et cetera. So excited for uh, Andrew Thomas. Needs to be good, Bobby. You know, he was the number four number four pick in the NFL draft. You know, a high, uh, very yeah, high awesome draft pick. He needs to be an he awesome tackle. He was the tackle. first... He was the first tackle taken off the board on a very stacked tackle class. So let's see it rooting for him. He's also he's also a good dude too. I mean, you know, I, I love him. let's I hate to you know do the automatic comparison to Eric Flowers, but why you kind of believe in Andrew Thomas definitely a lot more than a guy like Eric you know than a guy like Eric Flowers because Andrew Thomas works hard. We've talked with his trainer last year. You know, Bobby. You know, maybe, maybe talk to him every once in a while. He's a humble, hardworking football player. Where Eric Flowers. Was an arrogant, lazy asshole. There you go. And let's bring up the ankle real quick because I know people. Um, definitely better that he's not dealing with an ankle, but the ankle wasn't the reason for his struggles earlier in the year. I won't give. I won't give him that. Oh, all of his issues were because of the ankle. Certainly didn't help, but it weren't because of that. All right. See you on the next one.
Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Tay Crowder, six foot three, two hundred thirty-five pounds, twenty-four years old, was the two thousand twenty Mister Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, a former running back at Georgia, who only played linebacker for two years before entering the NFL. And, and basically eight games played. He had 57 tackles, three for a loss, one sack, three QB hits, and even a game-winning fumble recovery versus Washington in week six to give the Giants their first victory. Averaged six and a half tackles per game. Man, I was perplexed when Tay Crowder was drafted so late. You know, like I remember a conversation with us having after the 2020 draft. Like, well, one, why was he drafted this late? And it's like, why did the Giants even draft like a guy like TJ Brunson ahead of him? I was like, I feel like he's clearly better than TJ Brunson. And, you know, we and we have the proof. It's like, it's like, man, if this guy was picked in the third round, I would have been okay with it. Like, I really like this guy. And he came in and had, you know, more rookie production for Mr. Irrelevant than probably anybody ever unless they were a kicker. I feel like sometimes we, and like I'm talking about you and I, I think everybody else remembers Tay Crowder as Mr. Relevant because every time we make a post about him, somebody will reply Mr. Relevant. So it's like, yes, I think everybody knows, and we all know it by now. But sometimes in our evaluation, let's just say, of Tay Crowder, we forget that he's Mr. Relevant, and you're not supposed to find somebody who plays a significant amount of time on your defense. You know, when he was out there and when he was starting, you know, getting basically over 50, 60% of the snaps. That was like his least snap share sometimes in a game, which he was healthy when he was out there and kind of fully established. So we, the fact that we got anything out of him and the fact that we got anything out of that spot and, you know, Tay Crowder has an awesome story as well, kind of an underdog story. So excited to see what he can do this year. And he had a, for where he was drafted, an awesome 2020. Yeah. And, you know, like I remember, you know, we are at least, you know, I was pretty upset when they cut Ryan Conley. Um, but part of me on that cut, they was like, well, I'm excited to take Crowder here. And if they had to make the decision between Crowder and Conley, I would have been okay with it. But Downs came in and, and he kind of, the Giants weren't playing two inside linebackers to start the season. And then Sam Fran, the offense they run, they were forced to play two inside linebackers. I remember making yeah. Devonte Downs my giant factor. It's like, dude, you're going to have to show up this game. And he didn't. He played horribly. Because NFL teams are just very slow to play rookies, especially late round rookies. Downs plays the uh, the starts the next week versus the Rams. After four snaps, he misses a tackle, and they yank him. Tay Crowder comes in the game, and, and it's Tay Crowder's job as long as he's healthy. The rest of the year had a little um, IR stint uh, after his Washington touchdown, and I thought he played well, especially for what the expectations were. Like he came in, he plays fast, he plays aggressive, which works perfectly when you have a linebacker like uh, Blake Martinez and those three big D linemen of you know Dexter, Leo, and, and Dalvin at the time. And I thought he played well. Like, he's got good instincts and coverage. Not perfect. Um, but, like, I really liked him in that role. And, you know, we talked about it on the Camp Battles episode yesterday. He's the guy I want to win inside linebacker, too. And the thing is, is he's young at the position. He only played line. This is his fourth year playing linebacker. Like, th- like that's kind of like guys switch from high school to college. And, they you know, they play a new position. That's the storyline for them. He was a running back at Georgia for the first two years, and then switched to linebacker. So it's like he's got athletic traits that you want for the linebackers, but he's got the size. He could probably beef up a little bit. But now it's like, you know, get a get another year better at a position that, you know, you need to learn a little bit. I love his range, too. I mean, we, love, we loved his range coming out of Georgia. I mean, the speed, the athleticism, the quickness, I think it leads to you having really good range. 
But Bobby, you know, the difference between him and Ryan Conley, you know, I feel like we, you know, we broke down Ryan Conley to no end last year, especially coming off that rookie year. But the difference between him and Ryan Conley is Ryan Conley just played, just played like a bat out of hell. He played like a bat out of hell. He's going to run to a gap and he may even get washed out. Tay Crowder, you know, I feel I find what's most impressive about Tay Crowder, along with just being productive from that Mr. Relevant spot, but he doesn't get washed out. He is, he does have that range. He does have that quickness, that athleticism. He can go sideline to sideline. Um, you know, I feel that 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 Cleveland Browns game where they run that outside zone scheme, I thought that was one of his best games for of the season. He had some low moments, he had some bad games. I think Baltimore was a pretty bad game in coverage, and he had some maybe some missed tackles, but that Cleveland game where it's outside zone, he's going sideline to sideline. I thought that was one of his best games, but also he does not get stuck behind defensive lineman, offensive lineman. He's patient. He baits the running back to go certain places, which I love that. Saw that against the Cowboys and Tony Pollard, kind of sitting behind a defensive lineman, not getting washed out, not getting stuck. But then, boom, once the running back goes one way, he pops out, he makes a play on the ball carrier. So, Really, you know, Tay Crowder, the instincts are there, the patience was there, not getting washed out, but also he has the athleticism, the quickness, and the range that you want out of your interior linebacker to to assist Blake Martinez. Yeah, and and you know, he's not like destroying blocks from offensive linemen. Like if he's gonna win that, it's because he's using his speed and slipping by him. But when he does get blocked by an offensive lineman, like you said, he doesn't get washed away. He'll hold his own. He's not really gonna destroy a ton of blocks once they're engaged, but he holds his own and he does a good job with angles of of not letting O-Lyman get that uh, that initial win um, at the time. You know, they use him as a blitzer. Yeah, I don't think he really has any pass rush moves, but he's got, you know, good speed and burst. So, you know, he can add, you know, add add some, uh, you know, to his hand usage, which a lot of inside linebackers struggle with. Um, where he did struggle, though, was he missed some tackles. Like, he had a 16.1% uh, missed tackle rate which was like top of the you know the team basically um you know like for reference Blake Martinez had six and a half percent Raglan actually had like one of the lowest in the league at six percent even though he mm. had a, a high rate in 2018 when he played a lot of snaps but he did get better at that like four four of the um four of the eight or four of the ten uh tackles that he that he uh missed were against Washington in week six and the guy got covered up by him returning that that uh that uh, fumble for a touchdown, and they were pretty bad. Like they were open field. Like Tay Crowder should make this tackle, and you know Antonio Gibson was breaking them down and and beating them. But he also got better as that as the season went along. Like, do you remember any huge missed tackles as uh, as the year went on? So, I mean, this is a guy who had I mean, had fifty seven tackles in eight games next to Blake Martinez, who's the tackle king, who you know is top of the league at tackles, and he had fifty seven in eight games. Like that was. Like, pr- good production. Three for a loss, a sack, QB hits. Like, he kind of did a little bit of everything. And he should have had an interception versus the Rams, and they co- they overturned it, which they shouldn't have. Hmm. And speaking of Blake Martinez, there were two times this year, um, earlier in the year, and then I guess the second quote was a little bit later in the year, but two times where Blake Martinez, who highly coveted free agent, you know, getting paid a lot of money, you know, he's got the C on his shirt, he has some say within the building, and I don't think... And I would like to think that Blake Martinez just wouldn't say this to say this, but Blake Martinez was the one that said earlier in the year, play take. I want Tay Crowder to play more. He said that, you know, he, he said, I told Patrick Graham, I want this guy to play more. And that's, you know, Devonte Downs was a little bit of a veteran. You know, David Mayo, was he here still hurt? You know, he's, he was still around. And then later in the year, Blake Martinez said about Tay Crowder, this guy actually calms me down. 
Like this guy kind of keeps me in check whenever I'm getting, you know, maybe too much. And, you know, Blake Martinez is kind of a similar player where he's very tactful about where he goes and where he places himself. And to hear him talk about Tay Crowder that way where this guy keeps me grounded, I think that's awesome. And again, we, uh, again, how, you know, I'm talking about how Bobby and I, how we look at this guy. We are forgetting where he was drafted and how he's Mr. Relevant and the, how, what he brought to the team last year was absolutely awesome. And the, really the sky's the limit for, for him kind of from here yeah and I'll finish on that like I think something that gets overlooked is that inside linebacker chemistry between two guys especially when they're playing a good amount of reps and you know Tay had 10 tackles twice in eight games next to Blake Martinez but you know there's a lot of trust there it's like you know and something that we looked at when we were watching Blake Martinez Green Bay film it's like man they left Blake out the dry they gave him no help with the second inside linebacker they put a safety who didn't know what he was doing or play the wrong gap or get washed up where you could tell Blake had some trust in, in him, where he, that he didn't have with Devontae Downs or even David Mayo. Um, and, you know, allows him to take chances. And then Tay the same way. It's like, hey, man, you just play your gap. We got these three big D linemen in front of you. I got this on the front side. Don't worry about having the jump gaps. Play your gap. Play it fast and play it aggressive. Um, and even coverages, you know, making under calls when you're running cover three and, and, and things like that. So that's why, you know, it wasn't like Tay Crowder had some amazing rookie season, but it's a guy who... Really, probably they didn't plan to play at all at the start of the season with David Mayo and Devontae Downs being ahead of him and being the fourth, maybe even the fifth inside linebacker at, at one point during camp. And then, the, you know, then it, and, and he's so young at that position. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he grows in year two. Yeah. One final point. I want to see him improve in coverage a little bit. I know you, you, you touched on it. He's like, yeah, he was all right. I want to see him improve in coverage, especially we talked with Darnay Holmes with just out in space. And when the quarterback's holding the ball for, for more time and more time, out in space and getting that awareness down, he's a rookie. Only He's still young playing the position. Hopefully he'll get that down even more. Um, and just we'll end on this. Tay Crowder had some of the biggest moments of last year. The Washington touchdown that sealed that game. And that, that was the first one of the season, right, Bobby? Yes. First run of the season, Tay Crowder sealed it. And then also a huge uh, sack, his first sack of his career, came on like a nice, uh, an unintentional stunt, some might call it, on Russell Wilson on a third down in Seattle. And that was our biggest win of the season. So Tay Crowder had some big moments and some of our biggest wins of the season. So go get him in 2021, Tay. Excited. All right, see you guys on the next one. Until then, let's go Big Blue.